Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Acts in chapter number 25. Acts 25 this evening. And we finished up Acts 24. We were in the final verse, Acts 24, 27. And I hope as a pastor, sometimes a preacher, when you're done preaching, you think, did, that, did I convey that the way that the Lord showed it to me? And I, I obviously we fail. We're human instruments and all of that. And I'm not looking for sympathy or compliments. But you just sometimes wonder, man, that was such a, a neat truth or a helpful truth or a powerful truth that God showed me. I hope that he conveyed it the way that to, to you that he did to me. And, and we saw the end of, of chapter 24 this morning, that little phrase, but after two years. And it really struck me. Because we just read through that like it's one verse in the Bible, but that one verse represented two years of really what we would call kind of wasted years in Paul's life and ministry. He could have been doing so much more out on the missionary trail, and yet God had a greater plan. And we talked this morning about the fact that God works in our silence. And life is full of seasons. There are some seasons of fruitfulness and busyness and excitement, and and then there are some seasons where God slows us down, or quietness, or suffering, or pain. And the thing is, we know that it was two years, but Paul had no idea how long it was going to be. So we're going to jump back in. And I mentioned this morning, because of the fact that I'm planning to finish the book of Acts, we've been in here in this book on Sunday mornings for about two and a half years, and we finished up the study of King Saul last Sunday night. We did that 19-message series on toxic leadership. Uh, For the remainder of the year, for a few Sunday nights, I'm going to continue in Acts on Sunday nights so that we can be done. And I'm going to jump into two brand new sermon series um, as we kick off. 2022, Lord willing. And so we're going to to do that. So that's why we're in Acts tonight, in Acts in chapter number 25. And where we're at in Acts 25, we saw this morning, verse 24, verse 27, the last verse there, but after two years, Portius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. So we have Felix, that is the Roman ruler there in Caesarea, And Festus is coming to take over for him. We have Paul. You recall that Paul in Jerusalem, they tried to kill him. They they said they were going to went on the hunger strike. They said, we're going to kill Paul, the assassination plot. And there in Jerusalem, they moved him out with 470 soldiers. Um, He moved out on horseback and came to Caesarea. They came down. They accused him. And Felix says, honestly, I I don't see any evidence to convict Paul of this crime. So here's what we're going to do. He he was a politician. Instead of doing what was right, there's no evidence to let you go. He knew that was going to make the people mad. But then he knew he couldn't convict Paul and send him back to Jerusalem because he would get in trouble with his higher-ups because Paul had done nothing wrong. So he decided, here's what we'll do. You know what? I need to get a little more information. And until Lysias comes down from Jerusalem, we'll just leave Paul sitting here. The only problem was he never called for Lysias. 
Lysias had already written a letter explaining everything uh, that was wrong with Paul. And so this was just indefinite. Paul's just going to rot away here, waste away. He has no idea how long he's going to be here. And that's where we find ourselves. It's been two years. Paul's been sitting here waiting for the the conclusion of his trial, waiting for a, a decision. Am I free or am I convicted? And he's been sitting here. And we come to chapter 25. We pick it up where we left off this morning. And this morning we saw God works in our silence. Tonight our message is entitled Responding to Reality. Responding to reality. I want us to read, we're actually going to read all of Acts 25 together. This morning was only one verse, tonight is 27, so I can't find a happy medium there. But we're going to be in Acts 25 together. And, uh, and, and we've talked about Sunday night as kind of a family worship service. We bring the kids in that are over the age of five, and sometimes we do children's time or different things. So I'm looking for a few children who'd be able to help me out in, in helping us read our text. And I'll take some kids that might read three or four or five verses, elementary age kids. I might even have a little something like we do in elementary chapel to give you if you help me out. Are there any kids that know how to read that would like to come up and read into the microphone? I can take nine. Come on up. If you're one of those. And if you don't want to, it's no problem. But I think, I guess, well, I can take, let me see how many I have here. Three, six, nine. I can take 10. I could take 10. All right. We got two right there. Come on up, Kelsey. Coming up. Come on up. We'll take a few more. Come on up and we'll get you guys set up right here. And they're going to help us. We're going to read through here in the Bible. And I'll help you if we come to a hard word there. Got a few more coming. The Shotwell girls coming from back there. All right. I'll put my Bible there. And if you want to read from your own, you can. Oh, here they come. Let's see. Do I? Three, seven, nine. Perfect. Two, four, six, eight, nine. So we'll each read three verses. Does that work, guys? All right. Who wants to go first? Who wants to start first? Jack, you want to start us off right there? I'm going to bring the microphone to you. Let's follow along. We're going to read Acts 25. They're going to read three verses. Then I might stop and talk a little bit. We'll go to the next one. Once you read your verses, you can grab whatever box of candy you want there and head back to your seat once you're done. All right? Go ahead. So first three? Yes, sir. Verses one through three. Now when Festus was come into the province, after three days he ascended from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul and besought him, and desired favor against him that he would send for him to Jerusalem, laying wait in the way to kill him. Good. You can get your candy right there. So what we see in these first three verses is Festus has come to Caesarea and, and Felix is there. And after three days, he went back to Jerusalem. When he, so Festus is in Caesarea. Felix tells him about Paul. He comes to Jerusalem and they immediately, this has been two years, they immediately say, hey, there's a prisoner over there in Caesarea named Paul. Can you bring him back with you? Now we understand he didn't know this. But they said they were going to lay in wait to kill him. They're looking for Paul to come in a caravan to the courtroom. They're going to be ready to, uh, to ambush him and to kill him. So this is what happened so far in Jerusalem. Festus comes uh, to Jerusalem, and these people, the chief priests of Sanhedrin, two years later, Paul is still a burr in their saddle. Hey, can you bring that guy down? We just want to talk to him some more. What they wanted to do is kill him. All right? And so we're going to go to verse number four. Who's next? All right, I saw, you, I saw your hand right there. Yes, ma'am, number, verse four. But Festus answered, and Paul should be kept at Caesarea. Caesarea, and that he himself would depart shortly thither. thither. Verse five and six. Let them therefore, said he, 
which among you are able go down with me and accuse, accuse. accuse this man if there be any wickedness in him. And when he had tarried among them more than ten days, he went down unto Caesarea, and the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, commanded Paul to be brought. So Festus, good job. You can grab your candy there. So Festus, Festus says, you know what? If you've got a problem with Paul, why don't you come over to Caesarea? I'm going back. You can bring your witnesses, and we'll have a trial there the way it should be. We'll do it right. And so he comes back, and I've been there in the, uh, in the, uh, on Caesarea, that Mediterranean shore. You can see the Mediterranean Sea. There's a beautiful amphitheater. So this amphitheater probably would have been filled with thousands of people, and they would have brought Paul out. They're getting ready for a trial. They say, if you've got something that you want to you wanna say, then go ahead and come down. All right. You next? Come on over. We'll go to verse number seven. Here we go. Chapter 25, verses seven, eight, and nine. Right here. There. Yep. And when he, he was come to Jews and came down from Jerusalem, stood round about, laid many and grievous, grievous complaints against Paul, what, what, which they could not prove. While he answered for himself, neither against the law for the Jews, neither against the temple, not yet against Caesar. Caesar have I offered anything at all, but Fe Festus. Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, answered Paul and said, With thou go up to Jerusalem, and there be judged of these things before me. Good job. So what happens here? They come, they begin to accuse Paul, and Paul says, I haven't done anything wrong. Where's the evidence? I've done nothing they've accused me of. And so Festus says, are you willing then to take this back to Jerusalem? I think Paul understood that nothing good was waiting for him at Jerusalem. He says, are you willing to take it back to Jerusalem? Let's see what his response was to that question, verses 10 through 12. Where are we going, Alex? Here we go, verses 10 through 12. Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews have I done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. For if I be an offended, an offender. offender, or have committed anything worth worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things, wherefore these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. Then Festus. When he had conferred with the council, answered, Hast thou appealed unto Caesar? Unto Caesar shalt thou go. All right. So what happens? He says, Festus says to Paul, Are you willing to go down to Jerusalem and deal with this? Paul says, If I've done something worthy of death, I'm willing to die. Put me to death. I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to die if I've done something worthy of it, but I haven't done any of this. And Paul says, I appeal unto Caesar. If we were to try to put it in kind of American vernacular, I want to talk to my lawyer. I plead the fifth, almost. He wasn't pleading the fifth, but he was using the legal opportunities for his own defense. I appeal unto Caesar, meaning take me to your leader. Take me to the higher court. I want to talk to my lawyer. I'm not going to answer any more questions until we get there. Now, Caesar wasn't his lawyer, but kind of that American, uh, that American parallel of, I want this to go through the proper channels of our justice system. 
That's what Paul's saying. Take me to a higher court here, a higher Roman court, since I'm a Roman citizen. All right, where are we now? We are in verse, did we just finish verse number uh, 15? Is that where we did, guys? 12. We just finished 12. So we're going to go to 13, 14, and Elise. All right, come on up. We'll start right there in verse 13. And after certain days, King Agrippa, Agrippa and Bernice. Bernice came unto Caesarea. Caesarea to sal- salute, salute good. Festus. And when they had been there many days, Festus declared Paul's cause unto the king, saying, There is this a certain man left in bonds by Felix, about whom when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priest and the elders of the Jews infirmed me desiring, desiring desiring to have judgment against him. Good. So here's what happens again, and the kids are helping us. So we've got Paul, Felix has put him in this long-term holding cell. Festus comes, he's going to take over for ruling for Felix. Festus goes to Jerusalem, they say, hey, that Paul guy that's over there for two years, can you bring him? He says, why don't you guys come accuse them over there? We'll have a trial. They come. Paul says, I haven't done any of this. And, 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 and uh, Festus says, well, do you mind going to Jerusalem? I appeal to Caesar. Now, Agrippa and Bernice. We're going to see a little more of Agrippa next week on Sunday morning. Uh, I guess in two weeks. Next week is missions extravaganza. But Agrippa... Agrippa was the last of the Herodian dynasty. He was the last king of the, of the Herods, if you will. His, he was Herod, uh, Herod the Great's great-grandson, uh, the one that tried to put Jesus to death. That was his great-grandpa. He was not a good guy, Agrippa. Bernice is his sister, and it was rumored that, that kind of gross, he and his sister uh, kind of were like married, and they had this, this sinful relationship. And so we have Agrippa and Bernice, and, uh, and, and Agrippa, we saw last week, Felix's wife, Drusilla, that is, uh, that is um, uh, uh, Festus, I'm sorry, Agrippa is Drusilla's brother. I just confused you, but Drusilla and Agrippa were brother and sister. So there's a bunch of family stuff going on here, politics, all of these things. And so Agrippa and Bernice come, and Festus basically says, hey, I've got this guy here. What, what should I do with this guy? They're, this guy, Paul, now I'm in charge of him. He's, they're, they're trying to kill him down at Jerusalem. And so now we come to verse 16. All right, come on up. Here we go. Verse 16, 17, and 18. To whom I answered, is, it is not the manner of the Romans to deliver any man to die before that he which is accused have the accusers face to face and have license to answer for himself concerning the crime laid against him. Therefore, when they were come hither without any delay to the morrow, I sat on the judgment seat, and I commanded to the men to be brought forth, against whom, when the accusers stood by, they brought none accusation of, the, of such things as I opposed. All right. And so he says, he's talking to Agrippa. Festus says, so I've got this guy, and I told the people, if you've got a problem, we've got to deal with this the right way. We've got to deal with this through the proper channels in the court system. So you've got to go through the right channels. I'm not just going to give them over to you. And they couldn't bring any real good accusation. Who's next? Here we go. Where are we at? Come on up. Here we go, Trey. What verse? Where where are we at? 19? All right, go ahead. But had certain questions against him of their their own superstition, and one of Jesus, which is dead, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. 
and because I doubted of such manner of questions, I asked him whether he would go to Jerusalem and there be judged of these matters. But then Paul had appealed to be reserved unto the hearing of Augustus. Augustus, I commanded him to be kept till I might send him to Caesar. He said, so the, the big thing was, he, one of the big problems was he talked about he believed that Jesus had raised from the dead. And you remember Paul got the Pharisees and the Sadducees divided over that issue. He said, he, he did that. And, and he, I asked him, are you willing to go to Jerusalem? He said, no, I want to go before Caesar Augustus. I want to go, at that time I was Nero, I want to go to the big dog. And I want to be heard before him. And he said, so now I'm just holding him till I take him there. Kels, here we go. Verse, uh, where did Paul finish? I mean, sorry, Paul Titus. Whatever that kid's name is, Trey, where did he finish? Where are we at? 22. Here we go. 22, 23, 24. Then Agrippa said unto Festus, I would also hear the man, the man myself. Tomorrow said he, thou shalt hear him. And on the morrow, when Agrippa was come, and Bernice with great pomp, and was entered into the place of hearing with the, into the plate, wait, with the chief captains and principal men of the city at Festus, commanded, commandment, Paul was brought forth. And Festus said, King Agrippa, and all men which are here present with us, ye see this man, about whom all the multitude of the Jews have dealt with me, both at Jerusalem and also here, crying that he, that he ought not to live any longer. Good job. So he says, he's talking to Agrippa, I've got this guy, and here's what Agrippa says. Hey, I want to listen to this guy. I want to kind of, I want to, I want to interrogate him a little bit. I want to hear his story. I want to talk to him. And Festus says, okay, tomorrow. And so they got everybody together with great pomp. There's this big ceremony. They bring Paul in, and Agrippa is standing there in two weeks on two Sundays after Mission Extravaganza. We're going to see Paul's defense before Agrippa in this big ceremony, this big trial, if you will. They're all coming in, and all the important people are there. And he says, okay, you'll do that tomorrow. We're going to get that going tomorrow. Daniel, you ready to read the last three? Hopefully they left you a candy that you like. You know what they always leave, Daniel, in elementary chapel? The kids always leave. This is one of my favorites, too. Do you like these? Have you had them before? Because most of the time, they always leave the junior mints. I don't know if I like these because I remember getting them at my grandma's house. These are the ones I always got when I would go to my grandma's house. They left you junior mints or chewy sweet tarts. Is that going to be okay? Okay. If not, go beat up Trey and get his. All right, there. All right, here we go. Verses 25, 26, and 27. But when I found that he committed nothing worthy of death and that himself had appealed to Augustus, to Augustus I have determined, determined. determined to send him Good. of whom, whom I have no certain thing to write unto my Lord. Therefore I brought him for the before you and special before thee, O King Agrippa, that ask a examination. examination be had I might have somewhat to write, for it seemed to be unstoppable to unreasonable. Us, unreasonable to send a prisoner and not with withal 
to signify the crimes laid against him. Very good. Give the kids a hand, guys. Get both of them. You're the last one, Daniel, so we're going to give you both. What's that? Is that a football team? What is this right here on your shirt? What, do you, what is that? Dodgers. What is that? Is that, is that a high school? What, what, where do they play? The LA, Dodgers. the LA Dodgers. What sport is that? Baseball. Baseball. Are they winning right now? They're not playing today. Did they win yesterday? Yes. Was your dad really happy? Yes. Was he grumpy on Friday when they lost? Yes. Okay, all right. Here we go. Good job, Daniel. Thank you, kids, for helping us read that, those 27 verses. So the, get the picture. Paul's been sitting here for two years in a holding cell. Maybe some believe that he and Luke were gathering materials to write the books of Luke and Acts, some of those things. Paul, either here or in Rome in his imprisonments, wrote the prison epistles, maybe, maybe some in both places. We don't know all that happened those two years, but we looked at some of the things this morning. And Festus comes and, and is going to take over for Felix. And Felix, in a transition of power, says, hey, just a heads up, you got this guy I don't know what to do with. His name's Paul. He's been sitting here for two years. Now it's on you. And so Festus says, okay, what should I do with him? He goes to Jerusalem, and to his surprise, everybody's like, hey, we want that guy. Well, why don't you come up, and we'll have a little trial, see what's going on. He comes up, they do it. Paul, he says, we go to Jerusalem. Paul said, I appeal to Caesar. I, I want to go to a higher court. And uh, Agrippa comes, King Agrippa, Bernice, his sister wife, they come, and, uh, and, and they're talking there, and he says, I've got this guy, what should I do? He said, hey, I'll listen to him, I'll hear him, let me be a part of this trial. And so they come, and we're going to see next, uh, in two weeks, we're going to see Paul's defense before King Agrippa, and there's a really sad statement in Agrippa's life, much like there was in Felix's life um, in Acts 26. But in Acts 25, we see these things here, and Paul, how did he respond? I'm going to give us two simple uh, main points tonight, responding to reality. Here in chapter 25, we see some realities in Paul's life that may also be realities in our lives as we serve God, and we see then his response to them. I want to bring to you, number one, the reality of serving God. The reality of serving God, and the first thing that I see in this passage and in Paul's life and ministry is that sometimes the reality of serving God is you will be misunderstood. One of the realities at times of serving God is that of being misunderstood. Felix didn't understand Paul. He didn't understand what the big deal was and why. Festus didn't understand all that was happening. Agrippa didn't really understand who Paul was or why he did what he did. Felix had a little interest, he and his wife Drusilla, for a time, and then he just viewed that, well, maybe I can get some money out of, out of Paul. For a season, he wanted to know a little bit more, but, but, but they misunderstood. And you know, being misunderstood can be really hard, can it? Because you, to the best of your knowledge, understand your heart and your motives and your desires and your spirit, and you see your actions through a different prism than sometimes other people see them. And it can be hard to process when you try to give God your best and you've been misunderstood by the very ones that God has called you to serve. But that's a reality of following Christ at times. What did Jesus say to his disciples in John in chapter number 15, verses 18 through 21? What did he say? He said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If they misunderstand you, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. They don't understand what I'm doing in your life. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. 
If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, trying to catch me in my words, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. You know what Jesus is teaching his disciples? Sinners are going to act like sinners. And we sometimes get surprised when that happens, don't we? And here's the reality in Paul's life and ministry. Sometimes it was the enemies of God that misunderstood him. And sometimes it was his co-laborers that misunderstood him. It was his fellow servants. It was the ones that he had led to Christ. Do you remember when he said, where then is the blessedness which you once spake of? Isn't it true you would have plucked your eye out for me? There was a time when you loved me so much and some, some uh, theologians believe that, that may be a, uh, that Paul had an eye condition and that would be a, 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 an indicator that they would be willing, if, it, if they would have had the medical advances in those days to do an eye transplant, that there were converts that literally would have given their own eyes so that Paul could have his condition cared for. He said, you would have plucked out your own eyes for me. And then what does he say? Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? where did I get misunderstood here? All I'm doing is preaching the truth that changed your life. I'm just correcting where you've gotten off track. I'm just trying to guide and direct you in ways of righteousness. I'm just trying to tell you that this is not pleasing to the Lord and we need to get this right over here. And now I'm public enemy number one. And the reality is sometimes it's unbelievers and sometimes it's believers. But one of the realities of serving God is sometimes you will be misunderstood. How many times did, did the unbelieving and the enemies of Jesus misunderstand Jesus? But how many times? Times did the disciples misunderstand Jesus? Toward the end of his life, they're literally fighting around the, the last few hours they're together. They're fighting about who is most important. James and John's mom's coming up. Hey, Jesus, quick question for you. Hey, when, when you get that big, you, you take your throne, your seat of power, can my boys be the highest ranking members of your cabinet? He said, you have no idea. You don't understand me at all, do you? You don't understand why I'm here, do you? You don't understand my plan for your boys at all, do you? Misunderstood, being misunderstood is a reality of serving God. Not only being misunderstood, but being mistreated. Being mistreated. People here trying to kill Paul. Rulers keeping him in perpetual detainment with no trial date. People lying about him, false accusations. Again, sometimes it's unbelievers who mistreat us, and sometimes it's those we love most. Not only that, but being misrepresented. They lied about who Paul was and what he had done over and over again for years. They kept the lies up. Sometimes you as a believer and a follower of Christ can defend yourself. And sometimes you just have to stay faithful and keep serving God and let God settle the score and in his timing and let your life do the talking, if you will. Sometimes you're misrepresented and, and people say things that are not true and, and, and you're misunderstood and you're mistreated. And sometimes there's, I believe, a time and a place to maybe stand up and set the record straight and to defend yourself. But what does the Bible say about Jesus? Sometimes as a lamb that goes to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. He was misrepresented and you know what he did? He let his life do the talking. He let his love do the talking. Sometimes the reality of serving God sometimes is that we're misunderstood, we're mistreated, we're misrepresented. 
And sometimes we, we just need to let our lives and stay faithful and do right in the midst of that and let our lives do the talking. On Friday, we were, our high school boys were playing a flag football team, a uh, flag football game against another Christian school. And one of our players came over in about the second quarter and said, hey, coach. He said, man, this, this one kid, I, we're, I'm rushing. I'm the defensive line. He's the offensive line. I keep rushing. And, and he keeps hitting me in the face. He keeps in the, the ref's not seeing it. And he, he's slapping me. And then a little later in the, in the quarter, uh, another kid came over and said, coach, that lineman, the, the, the center right there, he just cussed me out right there. Another Christian school. He's, he's swearing at me. And I thought, well, maybe he is, maybe he is. And I, I don't know. I didn't hear anything. And then later, another kid that hadn't talked, this, this kid over here on this side just keeps swearing at me every play coach. And you know what I told our guys at halftime? We were winning at halftime, I think 19 to zero. And what I told our guys, and you could see it was getting a little scrappy, a little chippy. And here's what I told them. I said, boys, play hard, but don't play dirty. Now we've played dirty at times and we don't always do this perfectly. We've, we've not always been the perfect testimony on the sports fields. But I said, play hard, don't play dirty, play hard. And here's what I said, let your play and the scoreboard do the talking. It's a good reminder for all of us. We'll face opposition and serving God at times will bring enemies and opposition. What was Paul's response? So we see the reality of serving God. Now I want you to see the response of God's servant. The response of God's servant, number one, righteous living. Verse number seven. And when he was come, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood round about and laid many and grievous complaints against Paul. What they were saying about Paul was enough to put him to death which they could not prove. Look what he said in verse 8. While he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, so not in our, in our political laws, in our spiritual laws, or in the Roman laws, nor yet against Caesar, have I offended anything at all. What was Paul's response to the ways that he was misrepresented and mistreated? He let his life do the talking. He said, I have, I have a clean conscience. I know that none of those things stick. I know that, that you can say those things about me, but that, they can't be true because I've not done them. And sometimes, most of the time, really almost all of the time, the best response to being misunderstood and mistreated and misrepresented is just to keep living right. The best response when people do you wrong is to keep doing right. You know what we want to do? Sometimes someone does us wrong, and we want to do them wrong back. Someone lies about us, and we want to we retaliate. Vengeance is mine, saith Ryan. I will repay. And you know what we ought to do when someone does us wrong, treats us wrong? We ought to just keep doing right. His response to the realities of living for God was righteous living. His response, secondly, was wise choices. Look at verse number 9. But Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, trying to do a favor for them, answered Paul and said, Will you go to Jerusalem and there be judged? Verse 10. Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews have I done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. For if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. What do I see here? Paul made a really wise choice. He didn't let his emotions or the emotional... The, the emotions of the situation get the best of him. They're saying, screaming, bring them back here. Come on, take them back to Jerusalem. And you know, Paul maybe in his anger, or, I haven't done anything. Fine, you know what? Let's go back to Jerusalem. And you know what that would have led to? That would have led to his death. They were waiting and, and they were lying in wait to kill him. Paul might have known that. He knew that from two years before. 
but he didn't allow his emotions to get the best of him in this difficult situation. He made what were wise choices, reasoned choices, thoughtful choices that God used then to deliver him out of Caesarea. And we're going to see in the coming chapters his next phase of ministry as he goes to Rome. Make wise choices. Anger, retaliation, revenge will get all of us in a lot of trouble. When we're mistreated, when we're misunderstood, when we're misrepresented, emotions, anger, retaliation, revenge are almost always going to exacerbate the problem, not solve anything. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. And then lastly, what should be our response as God's servants to the reality of serving God? Lastly, faithfulness. We talked about this this morning. In the different seasons of life, stay faithful. Keep loving God. Keep trusting. Well, they hurt me. Well, that, that, that co-lib, that pastor let me down. By the way, Demas let Paul down. His assistant pastor let him down. That church member let me down. By the way, Eudeus and Syntyche, they let Paul down, and they were gossips, and they were sowing discord. You see all through, Paul could have had reason to get upset and frustrated. You know what? I'm done with church, and I'm done with Christians, and I'm, I'm done with government, and I'm done with the Jews, and I'm done with the Romans. And you know what Paul did? He kept his eyes on Christ, and he stayed faithful. He kept loving people. He kept helping people. He kept preaching Jesus. To his own captors, he preached Jesus. He saw people get saved that had done him wrong. Those that had mistreated him, he loved them. Those that tried to kill him in Jerusalem, he stood up in Acts chapter number 23, and he gave his testimony. Paul stayed faithful, doing what God had called him to do, even when those that he cared for mistreated him. What a great response to the realities of life. We respond in anger. We respond in, in hurt. We respond in bitterness. We respond in frustration, in, in, in retaliation, in, in tears. Whatever it might be, you know what Paul did? Paul responded in faithfulness. May I just say, when you're discouraged, stay faithful. When you're tired, stay faithful. When you're fearful, stay faithful. When you don't know what's next, as Paul didn't hear, stay faithful. When the odds seem stacked against you, you've been sitting in jail for two years in Caesarea, stay faithful. When opposition rises, stay faithful. When people lie about you, stay faithful. When pain comes, stay faithful. When you're mistreated, misunderstood, and misrepresented, stay faithful. When people hurt you, stay faithful. When circumstances stink, stay faithful. When you want to quit, stay faithful. We just skip back a few chapters and we'll close. Acts in chapter number 20, familiar passage, verse number 22. Acts chapter number 20, verse number 22. Let's look at these three verses. Paul said, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. By the way, we know, we have hindsight. We know what was going to befall him there. Misunderstandings, mistreatment. Mis misrepresentation. They were trying to rip him limb from limb. They were lying about him. They were trying to get him killed. That was what was going to befall him. Look what he says. Here's what I do know in verse 23. The only thing I know, the only thing I do know is that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Here's what I know. The reality is that whatever, whatever path God has for me, it's not all going to be smooth sailing. Here's what I know. Here's my reality. There's going to be some hard times. And then would you read verse number 24 aloud, his response to his reality. Verse 24, let's read it aloud. Ready? Begin. 
but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You know what Paul said? I don't know what's coming, but I know it's going to hurt. And you know what my decision is? None of these things move me that I might finish my course with joy. You have a choice. You can finish with joy or you can get even. You can finish with joy or you can get back at that one that hurt you. You can finish with joy or you can stew on the way they mistreated you until you die. You don't get to do both and neither do I. What is Paul saying here? I'm going to stay faithful in the midst of my trials, tribulations, and frustrations. There's a better day coming that I might finish my course with joy. This is all going to end at some point, and God is watching, and he hasn't lost control, and I want to finish my course with joy. Our reality at times may have some of the same characteristics as Paul. Misunderstandings by those that know us and those that don't. Those that love us and those that don't mistreatment, and misrepresentation. But may our response also resemble the Apostle Paul during these these difficult several years where he could have been completely frustrated as he wasted away as a prisoner of Rome. What did he do? He kept living right. He kept doing right. He made wise choices in the midst of his trials, and he stayed faithful. But none of these things move me. Has the reality a few years ago, there was a viral news clip, I think it was, and they turned it into a song where the guy said on there some news clip on something, I can't remember what it was, but he said, reality hits you hard. Has reality hit you hard in recent days, weeks, or months? The reality of life that, why did that come into my life? why, Why would that person treat me that way? Why would that happen? The reality of serving God and how do we respond to that reality, the response of God's servants Keep doing right. Make wise choices and stay faithful. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.